Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. As I said this morning, if you need to update your information with us concerning phone number, please do so. Uh, being that we're entering that time of year, that when there are possibilities maybe of a cancellation, our one call system will be able to reach you and uh, inform you. Again, I told Brother Malone as we leave today, I wasn't trying to make a forecast of something that like that happening anytime soon. But uh, nonetheless, just wanted to be prepared for whenever it could happen could happen. Mark chapter number six. We're going to begin reading with verse uh, 45 tonight. Mark six and verse number 45. Amen. I believe the church is in really good hands. Uh, going to the National Youth Convention and doing uh, these things and uh, uh, the first day I was able to go to the early morning session of Apostolic, Apostolic Doctrine with Brother Lang and and I uh, was able to be there in the minister's form that was provided as well for young ministers. And was there then with uh, Bishop Carpenter for uh, a minister's thing as well, young men. And those sessions were, were pretty, pretty uh, well attended. And so I think that uh, we are in good hands, amen, for the future. And with people that, for number one, that are interested and concerned about apostolic doctrine, getting up at, being there at 8 o'clock in the morning. Kids. The room was almost full, and it, it had several rooms that were together. It was almost full uh, to hear teaching about the apostolic doctrine at 8 o'clock in the morning after probably getting to bed after midnight. And so that comforts my heart uh, that they have a longing enough for that, that they'll be there because it's it ain't necessarily demanded on anybody, I don't guess. There might be some youth pastors that demand that. But I'm just saying to be there of their own accord and then to have those different sessions with young ministers or people aspiring to be so well attended as well. Amen. I'm, I'm happy to see, happy to see that in, in the assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mark chapter number six, verse number 45. The Bible says, and straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent away the people. When he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. When even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. When they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. They were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Tonight, just very simply, for a few minutes, I just want to talk to one word, subject, title. just want to talk to you tonight about opportunity. 
just want to talk to you this evening about opportunity. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you tonight. I pray, oh Lord, that you're able to help us, Lord, in the next little while, Lord, in this service. God, speak and minister, Lord, to us. God, through your word. I pray, oh God, that you're able to help us this evening, God, to be a voice. I pray, God, in this hour, Lord, a voice, Lord Jesus, in this day. I pray, oh Lord, today, Jesus, minister each and every life, God, that have gathered together here tonight. God, it will not fail. Lord, to thank you, Jesus, for what you may do and accomplish, Lord, in this house. God, we'll give you the glory and the honor for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated today in Jesus' name. An Arabian proverb reads something like this, that four things come not back. The sped arrow, the spoken word, time past, and the neglected opportunity. There are probably even in our own lives tonight a multitude of occasions, maybe even in our near past, where we wish we had acted differently or perhaps taken advantage of something that was presented before us. There are times where we wished we could have spoken up maybe when we were silent or perhaps even defended our faith in a moment that it was being attacked even times that we felt like perhaps in a service that we would have moved when the spirit was prompting us to move but the heartache of these situations is this is that the exact moment or the exact circumstance or situation it will never in its exact form cross our path again. Sure, you may feel the prompting of the Spirit for you to move in a service again, but it will never be on that same calendar date. It will never be in that particular hour. We miss sometimes opportunities uh, to speak, amen, or to minister or to move with the Spirit, but the exact situation will never be the same. Uh, for one, I remember my own life years ago, we were preaching at a church in Georgia. And uh, while we were preaching there, the pastor had a, a, a son around the age of 12 years old. And, and he was the drummer also at this church. And God, it would seem, would move upon that boy in such a tremendous way. And he seemed to have a special something just special about him. You know, there's just some people, just there's just something special about that individual. And we were in revival services with them. And I remember preaching the word of the Lord. And, and uh, that night I, I could just see during that service and, and even at the end of the service, the Lord just moving on that boy. And I felt the Holy Ghost tell me to go over and say some things to that young man at 12 years old. And although I heard the voice of the Lord, I denied the voice of the Lord. I did not follow through with the voice of the Lord and did not obey the voice of the Lord. And that opportunity slipped me by. It wasn't till probably 12 years later or about that this same boy was at one of our Indiana district camp meetings visiting. And during the service that night, God brought everything that I was supposed to say 12 years ago back to my mind. And I went to that young man and told him, and I apologize as I began to speak with him. I said, I'm sorry that this did not come 12 years earlier, but this is what God wanted to say to you 12 years ago. And I spoke what I felt like. I, but it, that was great, yeah. But 
that moment and that time of a, I don't know what could have happened in those 12 years period of time. It was an opportunity that was missed. Oh, you got a second chance. Yes, but it was not the same. A whole lot of life had already passed by and water under the bridge that had taken place. And so the heartache is we don't always have those same opportunities. Amen. That sometimes uh, you will not have a 12 years later per se like I did. Or God quickened those things back to your mind from many, many, many years ago like I did. And many times they expire or they never reoccur. And so that's the reason why many neglected opportunities are missed opportunities. The preacher Solomon said it well in the book of Ecclesiastes 3 and 1 he said to everything there is a season and there is a time to every purpose under the heaven there are seasons and times even for that matter for various opportunities amen that would crop up in our life but many times when a season has passed and that time has elapsed uh, due to our own neglect or oversight whatever it may be that opportunity is missed and it may never reoccur in our lives the Bible mentions in Mark 6 and verse 48 that Jesus would have passed them by. He was coming to them, the Bible says. He had spent the night in prayer. He had sent them on to go across this body of water. He's walking, as it were, upon a very troubled water, a water that was in, 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 in toiling. The Bible says the disciples were toiling and they're rowing because the winds and the waves were contrary to them. And Jesus is walking on this water and he's walking toward them in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the heartache that they were suffering from and it plainly tells you and I as readers of the scripture that Jesus would have passed them by he was coming to them but he would have continued on past them it seems as though he was approaching where they were but he would have just let them be in his rear view mirror amen if they had not cried out as it were unto him and so the opportunity of them availing themselves of the aid of the Lord in the midst of their storm of the protection of the Lord in the midst of their storm amen was there that opportunity was present it was just even simply in their mouth just for a little cry that could be made with their own lips but had they neglected it had they not seized the moment or seized the time the Bible seems to explain to us that the Lord would have passed by they would have missed it had they not cried out and seized the opportunity they would have missed it I ask us tonight how many opportunities are we or shall we allow to pass by in our own personal lives concerning the things of God, the perks of God, amen, the benefits of God. How many times, uh, Brother uh, Gregory, would we allow the Lord with intention of coming to us, but because we're no greater concerned about it than anybody else is, and we're not crying out to Him, He would just pass on by. I, I declare tonight, perhaps as the old spiritual hymnal used to say, we need to lift our voices as the Spirit of the Lord moves into a room or into a service. I don't want to be stoic I don't want to be you know what some type of desensitized to him but I want to be someone that raises my voice and says Savior Savior do not pass me by while on others thou art calling do not pass me by hallelujah 
and the difficulty of the disciples in Mark is that the disciples were contending with a wind. They were contending with a wind that in particular was contrary to them. And as a result of a contrary wind, the disciples' focus and their attention was on the opposition that was against them. They were in the middle of this body of water. They are toiling and they're rowing. Their mindset is there's a storm here. Their mindset is the waves are crashing against our vessel. Their focus is on everything that is around them. Amen. There's all this opposition. There's all this toiling. There's all this rowing. And that's where their mind is set to the place that they almost miss the Savior walking by in the midst of their trouble, in the midst of their turmoil, in the midst of their heartache. They almost missed their opportunity because their focus was upon what was against them rather than what was coming for them and toward them and would work for them. The Bible says in 1 Peter 4 and 12, and forgive them upstairs because you got to forgive me because I didn't give it to them. But in 1 Peter 4, 12, it says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Can I tell us as a church tonight that I believe sometimes it's the mindset of our adversary and the mindset of the opposer he designs it so that he will captivate the attention of people with the winds that are contrary to them with the circumstances that are pointed in a horrid direction at them for the sake that he don't want them to see Christ that's passing by in the same moment I'll just call something to come in their life that will divert them from what is ultimately important I'll call something to arise that will cause them perhaps to divert their focus and lose and perhaps miss the opportunity. If he stated in the New Testament scripture that with the temptation he'll also make a wave and escape whenever trouble comes and assails you and temptation, whatever it may be, comes knocking at your door, you know what you need to do? Not focus so much on that, but be looking for the venue out. Be looking for the Savior in the midst of it. Be looking for the opportunity that's cropping up in the middle of the dismal situation. Hallelujah. Someone say amen. The wind was still there even though Christ was walking on the water. It was still there although he was passing by. <laughs> and Christ would have done just that, just passed by had they not cried out. I'm speaking to a church tonight because I think in part and parcel it's our lot in life but I'm speaking to a church tonight and telling us at the First Apostolic Church, don't become too overburdened with your sufferings. Don't become too overburdened with your oppositions so that when the glory is revealed, hallelujah, you don't miss, amen, don't miss the glory due to the preoccupation of the mind. Uh-huh. Isn't that what Peter said? He said, you got fiery trials and all this. He said, but when the glory is revealed, you'll be glad with exceeding joy. The only way, though, that you can take advantage of the glory is you can't be swallowed up with the opposition. You... Huh? 
Uh, the glory, so I don't miss the glory because I'm preoccupied. There are moments of great opposition. Moments of great trial. But those seasons that we must understand according to God's word can also, everybody say also, can also render forth times and seasons of great opportunities. The Bible records, you can read it in your scriptures, the Bible records in Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. It is a story that perhaps many here are familiar with tonight of Jesus entering a certain village. Amen. He enters into that arena and place of Bethany. There is a woman that is there by the name of Martha, who the Bible says she receives him into her home. She receives him into her house. She has a sister by the name of Mary, Mary and Martha. The Bible describes Mary as one that oftentimes sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. Martha, the Bible describes as a lady who is absorbed uh, with serving the Lord, serving around the house to the extreme that the one that she received into her home, Jesus, she has not taken any time to entertain it's like having a guest hey I want you to come to my house and then do everything in the world and not even have time to spend with the guest now in our house I call that rude but she's invited him in she has received him but she's absorbed with all of the serving to the extreme she is spending no time with the one that she has received in her home and the Bible calls what she is doing and calls out what has taken place and says that, that, that she has been troubled about many things. That's what Jesus told her, Martha, because Martha was a little upset at Mary because Mary was sitting there at the feet of Jesus and Jesus, she's not helping me serve. She's, she's not helping me, you know, rattle the pans in the kitchen. She's not helping me do this or that. And Jesus told her point blankly, Martha, you are troubled with many things. He says, but on the contrary, your sister Mary has chosen that good part, that shall, that needful part he even calls it, that shall not be taken away from her. What do we have in this scenario is a lady that had missed an opportunity, a lady that has neglected an opportunity. He says Mary has taken that need for that good part that cannot be taken away from her. And Martha, you have neglected an opportunity to receive the same, to receive something that cannot be taken away from you. Yes, you received me into your house. He said, but you've not entertained me. You received me into your home, but you've not given me the time of day. You've missed, if I could say, the hour of your visitation because there's so many things in life that you're trying to you're trying to monopolize and trying to see to there's so uh, so many other things that's got your attention and got your focus he said but whenever I came into the house there was only one needful thing when I enter to the house there's only one needful thing and that's me and I need you I don't want you to miss what's going on in your house right now someone say amen, amen. hallelujah so the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians 16, Paul is writing a letter. He says he's going to pass through Macedonia. He's going to pass through there and possibly he states that I might even winter there in this particular place. He says, but right now, he says, as for now, I'm going to tarry at Ephesus. I'm going to tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. I'm going to stay here till the day of Pentecost. He mentions 
in verse number 9 of 1 Corinthians 16, this is what Paul says. He says, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me. And there are many adversaries. <laughs> what Paul's explaining right here is what Mark explains in his gospel. Is what various other places in the Bible explain, and that is this. Many times, opportunities, amen, are shrouded, if you will, by adversity. Paul says, there's a great door. There's an effectual door that is opened unto me. I'm going to stay right here. It's a great door, an effectual door, but there are also many adversaries. I have found most opportunities in my own personal life are great doors shrouded by adversaries. Great doors shrouded, if you will, by the masses that's between where you are and where you need to be. It is all the crowd that keeps the lady with the issue of blood getting a hold of the hymn. It's all the crowd that's keeping the man with paralysis from getting to him so they got to rip open the roof and send him down in the middle. They... Sometimes we got to press. Not every opportunity is going to come on like just and be in your lap. You know, some people say, well, that opportunity fell in your lap. In the kingdom of God, if they fall there, it's because it hit a few bumps before it ever landed there. Hallelujah. He says it's great. It's an effectual door. As a matter of fact, here's how Paul seen the whole matter. He told Timothy in one portion of Scripture. He said, listen. He said, I, he, this is what he said in one of the epistles. He said, I have fought with the beast of Ephesus. And this is where Paul says, I'm going to stay until Pentecost takes place. But I fought with beast at Ephesus. But in all of that, there's these beasts and there's this stuff that's not going right. He says, but you know what his eyes on? Look what it's on. There's a great door. There's an opportunity here. It's not, it doesn't go the way I want it to go every day, but there's a great opportunity here. And I got to decide if I am just going to, you know, jump ship because of the adversary. Huh? So, so I got a way out here. Is the opportunity more important than what I'm experiencing from the adversity? Because the only way to get to the great door is here at Ephesus, and that's where the adversity is too. So I got to decide, am I going with opportunity in spite of adversity, or am I going to flee from adversity and miss opportunity? Someone say hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And so the Bible says in Mark, when even was come, and it's not talking about the difference between odd and even, but when even, meaning the evening, when the evening was come, the Jewish day was from six to six, right? Six to six, the rendering of the Jewish day. They were only, according to the Bible, these disciples on the boat were only about halfway to their destination, halfway to where they wanted to be. And they are in, the Bible says, the midst of the sea. And Jesus, at that period of time when this all began, was alone on the land. So there's a group of them in the midst of the sea, and there's Jesus alone on the land. And yet the Bible says he saw them toiling in their road. They see the waves. They see and feel 
the wind. But he alone on the land sees them in the middle, halfway to their destination, toiling in their rowing. Can I just as a little side note tonight that there are times that Christ may often be out of our sight or we may not be totally aware of his whereabouts, amen, in our dilemmas, especially in our adversity, amen, because the winds are contrary to us and our mind is fascinated or fastened upon that. But although we may not discern where he is, I guarantee you this, he can still see us in the middle of whatever it is, amen, us toiling in our rowing, putting our shoulder to the ground. When you can't perceive God, God can still perceive you. When you don't know where he is, he still knows, he still knows where you are. Someone say amen. And about the fourth watch of the night, which was from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. The morning watch. Jesus came unto them. <laughs> there seems to be a delay from 6 p.m. to 3 a.m. But nonetheless, he did come to them from 3 a.m. to 6 during that morning watch, that fourth watch, if you will, of the night, and he would have, yeah, Bishop, the last one, he would have passed by, he would have, someone say, he would have, but he didn't. Someone in the predicament cried out. Again, I've, I've been doing a lot of reading here of late in the book of Psalms. Amen. And I'm about done with Psalms. I've been doing a lot of reading in the book of Psalms, and I almost got in a habit there for a while. I was underlining every time David said that he was in trouble or that David was in distress or that he cried out unto the Lord or his soul bemoans. I almost started underlining everything because David was an individual that constantly cried out to God. Here are just a few of the phrases that David uses in the Psalms. He said, hearken to my cry, my king. He said, forget not the cry of the humble. He said, O Lord, attend to my cry. My cry came before him. O Lord, give ear to my cry. Incline thine ear to my cry. Let my cry come unto thee. Let my cry come near to thee will I cry. I only got 150 chapters to go through. Amen. To thee will I cry. I will cry to the most high. Be merciful for I cry daily. Lord I cry. Make haste. So anybody thinks it's no you just forget about crying to the Lord. David didn't think that. He's trying to the Lord almost in every psalm. He's bemoaning, crying because of distress, trouble, adversity, whatever it is. David made it his duty. David almost made it his obligation, amen, of crying into the Lord, crying out to God. And I believe it was just for this today because David did not want to miss one opportunity of the Lord being in the middle of his trouble, of the Lord being in the middle of his dilemma. He knew he could have communion with God, although things weren't just quite the way that he wished they were or he thought he ought to be he didn't want to neglect what God could do even some of the most unforeseeable times he wanted to cry out to the Lord because he might be passing by and I might not be noticing it he might be passing by right now and I'm just not aware of it yet so while I'm unaware I'm just going to cry out God <laughs> 
I'm in trouble. God, hear my cry. And perchance he'll step in the middle of it all. And I'm not going to miss an opportunity to cry unto the Lord. Because our minds tell us you can't cry to the Lord when all that's going on. That's not the time to cry to the Lord. You got too many things to look after. Right? Got too many fires that you got to put out. Honey, those are the best times to cry out. Because you might not be aware of him being this close as he really is. I read across a story of a man who had a great opportunity that he missed. His friend took him for a ride one day way out into the country. They drove off the main road and drove through some groves of trees and a large uninhabited expanse of land. A few horses were grazing on the land. A couple old shacks remained out there on this large expanse. A friend of his called Walter stopped the car he got out, he started to describe with great vividness the wonderful things that he was going to build out there on this great expanse of land. He wanted his friend, who was Arthur, to buy some of the surrounding land surrounding his project to get on the ground level of this tremendous dream that he had. But Arthur, Arthur thought to himself, you know, who in the world is going to drive 25 miles for this project, it was like 25 miles from the nearest, you know, uh, development, 25 miles from the nearest thing. Who in the world's going to drive 25 miles to this crazy project? I mean, you know, the logistics of just even getting here. It's a little staggering, ridiculous. And so Walter explained to his friend Arthur, he said, he said, listen, buddy, he said, I can handle the main, the main project myself. He said, but it's going to take all of my money. All my money to have to bring this thing to, to, to term, to dream. He said, but the land boarding it, he said, where, where we're standing now, he said, well, in just a couple of years, it's going to be jammed with hotels and restaurants and convention halls to accommodate the people that's going to come to this place that I am dreaming of. People's going to want to spend their vacations here, he said. And he continued and told him, he said, I, I want you to have the first chance at this surrounding acreage so you can get in on this on ground level because in the next five years, it's going to increase in value hundreds of times beyond what, what we initially invest. And so here's Arthur. He said, well, you know, what could I say? I knew, I knew he was wrong. I knew he had a pipe dream and that thing was going to dead end and he's going to belly flop. I knew it. And so he, as he's telling the story today, he said, I knew, I knew he was going to be wrong. He said, I knew that he had let his dream get the best of just his common sense and just proper reasoning. He said, so I, I, I mumbled something about, you know, being tight on money. Got a little tight money situation right now, you know. And, you know I'll look into it and perhaps I'll get in on it, you know, the whole thing later on. But later on for Arthur would be too late. Later on would be too late. That's even what Walter cautioned him. Later on is going to be too late as they walk back to the car. He said, you better move on this right now. That's what Walter told him. Arthur, you got to move on this right now. He said, no, nah, I'll just wait. And so as the story unfolds in his, it is that Art Linkletter turned down the opportunity to buy up all the land that surrounded what was to become Disneyland in California. And his friend Walter Disney had tried to talk him into doing it. But Art said, no, that's crazy. 
and crazy for art was a missed opportunity altogether. Isaiah declared that we should seek the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. There's times that dismissal isn't in order. There's times moving on to the next section of the service isn't in order because the Lord can be found. The Lord can be found. There's times whenever people have come up around the altar to lift their hands and in praise and worship and the Lord is moving. There's times that it's not time to dismiss them back to their seats. I'll tell you one thing, and this is for sure. It's easier for them to get, go, go back to their seats than it is to get them to come up here in the first place. There's times that none of that is in order because there is an opportunity that is ripe for the picking right before us. And you may wonder sometimes, why are they lingering right there? What's going on? Well, you might not see that he's passing by, but there's somebody else that's starting to tap in that maybe the Lord is passing by and they're crying out and tears are going down in their face and their hands are lifted. You know what all that is? A crying to the Lord. Oh, I feel him. I feel him. I'm going to take, oh yeah, I'm not worried about sitting down right now. I'm not worried about getting a drink or going to the restaurant. I'm not worried about all that. There's an opportunity that's been made available right in this moment. Hallelujah. Someone say amen. So I cannot, cannot let it pass me. Cannot let me pass, pass me by. Luke 24. Might have to have a lady come up here and undo this bottle for me. Luke 24, two disciples are traveling to the village of Emmaus. This is after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, the same day of Jesus' resurrection, they are traveling on their way to Emmaus. Emmaus was about seven to eight miles from Jerusalem from whence they were coming. So they're on a they're on a seven or eight mile journey to Emmaus. As they're traveling, they're talking about the events of that day, Brother Gregory. They're talking about the Lord's crucifix, his death. They're not being a body of it. All of these things they are discussing and talking about. And as they are talking about the Lord, the Lord draws near to them. Amen. He draws near to them. I've always used that. Man, you want to get the Lord near, just start talking about him. He, sh- he shows up when people start talking about him. And they're talking, and, and, and Jesus draws near to them, and he begins to discuss with them. He enters into the conversation about the events of that day. It's th- he's talking about himself. He's talking about all the events of that day. And the Bible says in Luke 24 and verse 28 that they finally arrive at Emmaus, and Jesus... The resurrected Christ, the one that has been dead for a period of time and is alive again. The Bible says that he made as though he would have gone further. What that means is this. They're stopping Emmaus, and he's making as though he's going on. All right? He's making it as though he's going to pass on by. But the Bible says in verse 29 that those two boys, they constrained. That's the word the King James Version uses. They constrained him. (laughs) <laughs> and he sits down with them. He made as though he would have went further. But he sits down with them because they constrain him. He didn't say anything about, you know, about going on. He was just going to go on. His intention was not to stop. 
His intention was not to pause. His intention was not to stay, but they constrained him. And the Bible says as they sat at the table and they were about ready to have meat, they were about ready to eat, the Bible says that Jesus broke bread. And that Jesus was known unto them in the breaking of bread because they had seen the master break bread before. He just has a way about breaking bread. And whenever he broke bread, they recognized who this person was that had been talking with them, however many miles. And then in reflection, the Bible says, they, they talked to one another and said, did not our hearts, did, did it not burn within us as he spoke with us? What I'm saying is this, what would have happened if those boys said, see you later, man, good talk. But something happened. I don't know if they had an inkling or what. But nevertheless, they constrained him. And they did not miss an opportunity of having the resurrected Christ share a meal with them at their table. Amen. Because they were eager to have him stay. Oh, God, I want to find that place, Lord, again and again. That whenever I go to the closet of prayer, I constrain you. And I'm eager to have you to stay. I want to find that place, Lord, again and again. God, that as we're singing the songs and the lyrics are passing over my ears, that the meaning of the message, God, comes down and affects my heart. And I want them to sing that verse just one more time because there's meaning that's being lifted off the page. And I just want to stay. I just want you to want to miss it Genesis 32 I gotta hurry for my sake not yours <laughs> Genesis 32 Jacob crosses over the brook the river Jabbok he's already sent his family over there but he crosses back over he's gonna stay there that night by himself the angel of the Lord comes near that brook Jabbok that night and begins what we call the wrestling match between Jacob and the angel of the Lord. And in the process of that wrestling match, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord touches the hollow of Jacob's thigh. It is in essence like it is pulled, pulled out of place or out of joint. The Bible talks about the sinew upon that particular area had shrunk up and it become tightened. The Bible says in Genesis 32 and verse 26, and he said, this is the angel, and he said, let me go for the day breaketh. That's what the angel of the Lord said. And he said, speaking of Jacob, spoke back to the angel and said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. They're in a struggle. They're in a struggle, but something overcomes Jacob. He's more eager to be blessed by the angel than he is to be released from the struggle. Jacob understands if the struggle will afford me the blessing of the angel, I'll keep the struggle to get the blessing. For that matter, Jacob could be thinking, this has never happened in my life. I've never wrestled with an angel before. And I don't know if I'll ever have another opportunity. I don't, I don't know if I'll ever have another opportunity like this. So, angel, you can say all you want to all night long. Let me go. But I'm telling you, I'm holding on to you until the opportunity that is afforded me right here is carried out and comes to pass. I know I hurt right now my leg and my body's sore and sweat is pouring down my face. But there's something here that I've never had a chance at before. And I cannot release it. I cannot. Someone say Hallelujah. Had Jacob let go, the angel would have departed. 
because of the breaking of day. That is basically what Scripture is telling us. If there was not a hold on it, it would have been gone. But because Jacob had a hold of that opportunity, woo, it stayed. And Jacob kept the clinch of his hands upon that angel until that opportunity came to fruition and he was blessed by the angel. And he leaves that day as a man that has had power with God and with men and he has prevailed. He left that day with a changed name. He, came, he went from being a Jacob to an Israel because he didn't let an opportunity get by him. He left that day also with a limp. But that's just a reminder for him, for any future generations. Sometimes you got to endure the adversity to get to the blessing. Everybody doing all right? Doing just a little walking here through Scripture tonight. Just connecting just a few dots here in the Word of the Lord. Mark 10. Jesus and his disciples. The Bible states there's a great multitude, a great number of people. They are leaving Jericho. Great, great crowd. Here we are, folks. Great crowd. Leaving Jericho. But there is a man there on the fringe of the city. He's known as Bartimaeus. More plainly, blind Bartimaeus. He's known by his condition of life. Blind Bartimaeus that's on the fringe of the city. He's sitting by what we would say the highway and he is begging. But the Bible says that when Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus. Because here's a man that, again, very quite literally because of his circumstances, he can't see the Lord is near. Quite literally. But when he heard that it was Jesus that was passing by. Again, there is no prior arrangement of a schedule on Bartimaeus' schedule that Jesus is coming here at noon. Or whatever the time of day was. This, this was him, Jesus stopping with, at, by at Bartimaeus was not a part of Jesus' itinerary for the day. But whenever Bartimaeus heard that he was passing by, the Bible says Bartimaeus, that blind man that could not see the Lord, but heard that he was near. He began to cry out unto the Lord. He began with his bold voice, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says there among the multitude in the crowd that was exiting the city that day, they look back at this man that is blind, sitting on the ground known as a beggar. Here he is crying out. And they began to tell Bartimaeus, hold your peace. Don't speak another word. Be still. They were discouraging him from crying out. They were discouraging this blind man. He can't use his eyes, but he says I'm going to use what I got. I'm going to use my voice. And he's crying out unto the Lord. Amen. And they're trying to get him just to stay still. Someone say, stay still. Listen. These folks are walking. They're not the blind man, are they? Jesus is passing by here. See, there are some that I think sometimes that have the urge to cry out. But they won't. Because they're being influenced by the opinion of others. Relatives, spouses, friends, acquaintances, church members. Then there's others that won't cry out because the adversary is speaking into their ear and say, you really don't have no reason to cry out. 
things have been like this for a long time, blind Bartimaeus. Didn't nothing change him for you, bro? Huh? Discouraging them, telling him that it isn't necessary, it's not going to benefit you anyway. But Bartimaeus, in spite of the discouraging voices that was coming to his ears, he says, I know the Lord's passing by. I don't know how many more times this may happen in my life. And so in spite of the voices that are even around me, uh, the Bible says he cried out more, the more a great deal. He raised his voice, if you will, a little bit more. He did it more consistently and steadily. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And the Bible says when Jesus heard the voice and the cry of Bartimaeus the Bible says that Jesus stood still this is one of those just all moments of scripture when the voice of a man can stop the footsteps of God you have in the Old Testament as well when the Bible says that God hearkened to the voice of Moses Think think of that, the voice of a man. Stop the footsteps of God. So let me tell you, what's your little situation that's a little too puny for the Lord, right? Huh? Have you tried crying? Because I have both Old and New Testament accounts where just a simple cry will stop the master in whatever he's doing. The Bible says the Lord stood still and he attended to the need of Bartimaeus. And whenever they parted ways that day, Bartimaeus was no longer blind and he no longer needed his beggar's garment. Hallelujah, because in spite of what even others were saying, Brother Gregory, he says, I know that this is an opportunity for you, but it is for me. I know you're rubbing shoulders with him, walking beside him. You're right, but, 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 but I can't even see him. And I, oh, yeah. I, someone say, yeah. yeah. Glory be to Jesus. <laughs> we're wearing the Bible out. Let's go to Luke 19. All gospel, all gospel. <laughs> the people, again, crowd, multitude, multitude, many of the believers of the Lord crying out, Blessed is the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Jesus is riding by, he's coming by. Blessed is the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Luke 19 and verse 40, many of you are familiar with the story. And he answered and said unto them, Because, some are saying, Guys, just keep your mouth shut. King of glory is coming by. Don't say a word. But he answered and he said unto them, he said, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, that the stones would immediately cry out. If you don't want your opportunity, somebody else will. If when the spirit of the Lord moves, we've seen it too many times. When the spirit of the Lord moves, you've seen it before. You felt like running. You didn't. Guess what? Someone else got up and ran. You didn't interpret the tongues, but somebody else did. You felt the prompting, but you denied it. But somebody else did. So if you don't want to take the opportunity, someone else will. Oh, we, just talk, we didn't even just talk about even opportunities in the church at large. If you don't want to take the opportunity, somebody else will. Amen. If you don't want to praise him, somebody else will. He says, if necessary, I'll cause the even rocks, amen, to cry out. Jesus wept. Stand with me and I'll come too close. I'll do it within five minutes. 
Five minutes. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He's looking over the city from an elevated place. He sees her. As he stands there, he is weeping, and in the same time that he's weeping, he is pronouncing devastation. Devastation that would come upon him. Devastation that it would see. And this is the reason why he said it would. Because it knew not the hour of its visitation. They had not familiarized themselves with the time and the season of the opportunities that were afforded them. And they were missed. He weeps over them. So they didn't know the hour of their visitation. Well, when did he go? Think how many times he walked and passed through and was among them of Jerusalem. How many times his sandals was upon the sandy floor of that city. How many times he did some acts of righteousness and power among them. Yet they did not afford themselves of his presence when he was there. And so as he's in that elevated spot looking back upon them with that history with him. Saying there's going to come devastation and I'm crying. There's the weeping. How, how, how I often would have longed to gather thee as a hen would gather her brood under her wings. But ye would not. I was there. In so many words, you weren't. I mean, they were literally, but they weren't there. They were missing their opportunity. And I tell you, folks. In our everyday lives, in our everyday church service lives, there are visitations of moments and hours. There are opportunities that are presented to us that sometimes our natural eye and sometimes our spiritual eyes are even blinded to. There are times that he passes by. And I'm not telling you I'm the person that has it all together and I recognize Brother Malone every time. But there are times, Brother Fred, that I notice that the Lord is passing by. And I'm wondering, man, are, are we going to just, are we going to reach out and grab a hold of the skirt of his garment? Because even if I grab even this, the skirt of his garment, I know virtue even flowed out of that. I'm not talking about even a full embrace if somebody could just make contact with what's in contact with him. But virtue even flowed out of that. He, he's passing by. Sister Sheila, I, I've asked myself sometimes, how, how many times has he passed 1121 Cedar Street on a Sunday night or a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night? And he acted as though he would go further, but a longing in his eye was like, I wish someone would cry out. I'll go on, but I'd like to stay. Breaking of a new day, you know, it's got to go on. You know, there's another era on the horizon. But if someone would cry, I would pause everything. I would stop everything if they would just constrain me. And I would attend to their need. I would attend to their circumstance. And it isn't always a circumstance he comes to. Sometimes it's a Laodicean church age. It's just the Lord knocking on the door and someone saying, come on in, Lord. Sometimes it's not just a need. It's just having fellowship, him sitting down, supping with us and us with him. Taking advantage of an opportunity. Because I tell you this, I don't need him just every moment of time that there's trouble in my life. I need him on days just to have fellowship. 
I'm sure he would love a cry every once in a while that just says, Lord, there's nothing major going on today, but I just would like to have fellowship. first verse of Mark 6 that I read to you they cried out they thought it had been a spirit they cried out he comes to them he talks to them says be of good cheer it is I be not afraid verse 51 the Bible says he went up unto them and to the ship and the wind seized and they were sore amazed and he came to them and didn't pass by he came to them because of their cry he gets into the ship where they are. And when he does, what had been troubled them up to that moment of time, all just ceased. The power of a cry. The power of taking advantage of an opportunity. They didn't just get the Lord. They got a calm sea. They didn't just get the Lord close to them. They got the Lord in the middle of the ship where they were at. Sister Perkins, they did not miss their opportunity. And folks, the end of the story is this. They made it to their final destination. Unscathed, unharmed, and yet with the presence of the Lord. God, can we raise our hands tonight? God, that's what I desire tonight, oh Lord. I know in this life, upon this sea of life, there are going to be times of toiling and rowing. I know there will be times that the winds will assail me and the waves will be crashing against my vessel. But God, it's what I do in those moments. It's what I do in those moments, Lord God, that are of the utmost importance. I do not want to allow an opportunity to pass me by. God, I might not be able to see you. I may not, Lord, even feel as though you're near. But God, even wherever it may be, from your vantage point, you see me. You know me. You know where I am. As Job said, you know the way that I take, oh God. I pray, oh Lord, tonight, and I want to cry out to you. Pre-adventure, God, you would stop and cry and crawl up into the vessel, God, that is experiencing the storm, and the storm would be no more. Oh God, if you would just, Lord, sit down at the table where I'm eating, God, and we could just have fellowship. God, that I would just endure just another hour of adversity. God, to have my hand upon the blessing. Lord God, that is encapsulated in your presence. These altars are open tonight for anybody that says, you know what, this is a Sunday night, this is December the 1st, and I just perceive there could be an opportunity here for me this evening. I just perceive there might be an opportunity. I perceive the footfall of the Master may be taking place around me, and I'm going to stretch out my hand, and I'm going to lift up my voice and see if I cannot just somehow get the attention of the Lord, that He would hearken to the voice of a man or a woman one more time and come where I I'm at. Amen. Come to where I am. If he could minister to me. If he could somehow just spend some time with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
It's only, it's only 7.30, folks. Is there anybody that says, Lord, I don't want to miss an opportunity. I don't want this to be an unretrievable moment in my life. I don't want this to be an unretrievable moment in my life. I don't want to neglect this. I don't want to push this aside. I don't want to, I don't want to pause the push the pause button and say, well, at another time. No, no, no. There will not be another December the 1st of 2019. There, there will not be another exact scenario as what is right now. Hallelujah. Someone needs to afford themselves and avail themselves self of the opportunity of the Savior tonight. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.